welcome to Scary to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm here to read you a bedtime story. This week, I don't have a bundle of announcements, so let's just dive into the story, shall we? Tonight I have for you a story by Adelina Hill. Adelina has her own podcast called Once Upon a Terror on Spotify, so if you like this story, please go check out Once Upon a Terror for more. Well, I hope you brought your swimsuit, because we're going on a little vacation. Welcome to the Hotel Marin. When you think of a hotel, what do you picture? The lemon-scented marble lobby? The pool? The clean room waiting for you? Perfect. This hotel is not for you, then. Hotel Marin is not just any hotel. Think of Cecil, the one in California. Marin is like that, a sister. Her sister Cecil is dark, devastating, and has death in every corner. But what makes Marin different is she doesn't kill people, drive them mad, or have ambulances and police called regularly. No, Marin attracts people, but she also lets them leave. Alive, but also perplexed. So maybe she's not a sister, perhaps a cousin or a daughter that learned that hotels do not treat their guests with disrespect. The employees are another story. Her heels clicked on the marble floor as she made her way around the front desk. The elevator dinged as one of the janitors exited the elevator. What has she thrown at us today, Harold? She asks while logging into the computer. Only silence is greeted back. Her, she's in a bad mood. Dare I ask or look? She continued typing, one failed password attempt. Harold sighs. Either guess or look at what she's gifted me. She muttered under her breath and hit the enter key before witnessing the gift the hotel had left them that morning. Well, that's new. Blood covered Harold from head to toe, but that wasn't the disturbing part. It was the baby head in one hand and the scorpion pinching the finger of his glove in the other. What floor, what room? She logged in finally and pulled up the hotel's room report of treasures. Fourth, room 417. What happened? Wanna guess? She sighed, rolling her eyes. It's nine in the morning. No, I don't want to guess why the hotel is throwing a hissy fit. The ceiling creaked at her remark. Watch your mouth. She snapped her fingers at the ceiling, 
you're asking for, Joanne. Harold put the baby head on the desk and pulled the scorpion from his glove. Take the baby head, please. You're getting blood on my desk. Joanne took her pen and pushed the baby head off the front desk, letting it roll onto the floor. As Harold took his things, walking away, he yelled, I just opened the door and blood spewed out. Then the baby head hit me in the face and then a trail of scorpions. He explained the incident as he left. Thank you. Joanne called after him. Clean up the blood, you're making a mess of the marble. Oh, don't, don't say that, she might hear you. Harold hissed. She already has. There's a cobra coming out of the elevator. Joanne typed and watched the snake slither into the lobby. This is it! Gail squealed as her husband pulled in through the gates of the Hotel Marin. Her husband squinted through the glass and questioned the GPS. Had they taken a wrong turn? Gone too far? Or maybe it wasn't open to the public anymore? The building stood firm, back straight and windows forward. Ivy tickled up the sides, but her wrinkles didn't diminish her beauty. Sure, it showed her age, and there were cracks up the front of the stone layering. She was built by hand, every stone laid and pieced together. She looked old, but she was old, and with age came experience. Uh, are, are you sure this is it? Gail's husband asked, pulling into a drop-off spot for luggage. Yes, it is. Oh, and it's just as beautiful as it was on the website. There's a website for this place? He looked back at his daughter, Shelby. She shrugged and continued looking out the window at the hotel. No longer drenched in blood or carrying a baby's head, Harold pushed through the revolving doors of the hotel. Instead, he wore a nicely fitted suit and performed as a doorman. He pulled the car door open for Gail. Welcome to the Hotel Marin. Let me help you with your bags, miss. Oh, thank you. They're in the trunk. Where's Shelby? Shelby? Gail looked around for her daughter. I believe she went inside, miss. Don't worry. Joanne is keeping an eye on her. Harold said as he rounded the car helping her husband with the bags. Oh, Shelby, wait for mommy. Gail ran in her heels into the hotel. She was welcomed to an air-conditioned building away from the July heat. Oh, that feels better. I'm sweating like a pig. <laughs> she laughed and walked up to her daughter, standing at the front desk. Hello, you must be Shelby's mom. Joanne smiled her practiced, fake smile she had put on for the past five years. How can I help you today? Oh, um, we need a room. Can we have one up high? Oh, I would love to see the view. She pulled her sunglasses down to look up at the ceiling. A crystal chandelier hung from the ceiling, quickly repaired by Marin after one of her temper tantrums. She promised to be good for the employees today. 
Sure, and how long will you be staying with us? Joanne asked while pulling up a list of rooms. They had plenty of rooms available. There were only around 15 people staying at the hotel at a time. Marin picks the guests and decides how their experience will go. She was still thinking about this family. Miss? Joanne asked again. One week, darling. (laughs) What's your name? She pulled her sunglasses down to see her name tag. Joanne? Yes, miss. Call me Gail. No need for formalities. Shelby, come here. She put her arm out for her daughter. Shelby was staring at the ceiling. At the headless bodies hanging from the ceiling on butcher hooks. Joanne watched Shelby and then looked up. The blood drained from her face. Of course, the hotel picked a child. Shelby didn't seem upset by the bodies. She merely blinked at them. They were fully dressed. What for, no one will know. Maybe a wedding or a funeral. Most of them were men, but... Some women hung too. No one asked how they got there or if they'd come down. Shelby continued to stare until her mother took her hand. What on earth are you staring at? Gail asked, annoyed at her for not coming when she was called. The hotel picked Shelby. Shelby? Her mother softened her tone and pulled some money out of her wallet. Why don't you give this to the nice lady behind the desk and thank her for helping us get checked in? Joanne pretended not to see the $20 bill slide into Shelby's hand and acted like she was looking something up on the computer. Shelby nodded once and walked up to the desk. She could barely rest her chin on the edge since the desk was on a platform. She pushed the crumpled 20 forward, and it fell behind the part of the desk guests couldn't see. What's this? Joanne smiled and uncrumpled the money. Thank you, that's very sweet. Joanne didn't get tips often, so she was always caught off guard when she received one. Gail's husband finally came in with Harold and the bags. We all settled? Her husband, Joe, asked. I just need payment, Joanne replied. All right. Joe pulled out his wallet and card to give to Joanne. She slid the card and finalized the payment. Then, she pulled open a drawer that held all the keys in the hotel. There were several drawers. Top held keys on the top level, and each level below it held lower levels. In the top drawer, she looked at all the skeleton keys and waited for Marin. No, Joanne whispered. The drawer pulled shut, startling Joanne. So she opened the one below it. No keys moved. They want a room on the upper levels, come on. You gotta give me something. Again, the drawer pulled shut. Joanne sighed and tried the next one. Finally, the hotel moved a key. 
12.03. Joanne exhaled softly and took the key off the nail. She shoved the drawer shut, and it bounced back against her abdomen, causing her to double over. Joe looked over the desk. You all right, miss? <clears throat> yeah, just dropped your key. You're in room 1203, 12th floor. The elevators are to your left. The pool is open 24 hours, only closes for cleaning. There is a bar to your right down the hall and a small restaurant open from 4 to 11 p.m. If you have any questions, you can call me here at the front desk. Just dial pound and then one and I'll answer. Enjoy your stay. Joanne handed the key over to Joe. Uh, Do you have more than one key? He asked. Unfortunately, no. These are all original keys that came with the building. Everything except the locks have been renovated. Well, that's reassuring. I've got a wife and a daughter. How are we supposed to feel safe? All I can say is, trust the hotel, sir, she told him. Joe gave her a crooked glare before turning to his family. Harold showed them to the elevator, and they all got in together. She watched the doors close with the sound of a bell, and was left in silence. Care to explain what you're up to with that little girl? Joanne asked. The chandelier jingled. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. She replied as if she understood the hotel and every sound it made. It didn't take long to learn the hotel's language, what mood she was in, and what she had planned for the guests. Marin always kept it interesting. Even Harold, who had been there 20 years, is still surprised by her antics. The elevator ride was silent for a moment. And then, music started playing. Oh, I love this song! Gail clapped her hands together as some Frank Sinatra song came on the speakers. Harold raised an eyebrow and tapped an impatient finger on the railing of the luggage carrier. He had no idea what Marin was up to. They reached the 12th floor, and Shelby stepped off the elevator first. The room was not far from the elevator, since it was only the third room on the floor. Joe looked at the key, and then slipped it into the hole. It wasn't as flimsy as he predicted it to be, and the door unlocked with a firm turn and click of the lock. Harold helped them with their luggage, and Gail gave more money to Shelby to give to Harold. She did so without making eye contact. She's awfully quiet, Harold commented after taking the money. Joe smiled. Yeah, but not silent. She can read and write and talks at school sometimes. We just assume she likes to keep to herself. He ran his fingers through her platinum blonde curls, and she moved to explore the room. Well, the ice and vending machines are down the hall and on the left, Give the front desk a ring if you need anything, and enjoy your stay. He smiled and closed the door behind him. Be nice, 
he whispered to the door and left to attend other matters in the hotel. But Harold knew Marin had a reason for everything she did to the guests. How the hotel went about it, Harold and Joanne would typically not see it. Marin would make sure only the guests could see things. In a way, she seemed to confront them. Some people would leave angry and want a refund. They'd get it, partially. Others would leave in tears, finding out something they already knew, but didn't wish to come to terms with. Marin helped her guests. In a gory, disturbing way, but it seemed to bring peace to the guests at the end of the day. Back in the hotel room, Gail looked out the window, frowning. What's wrong, honey? Her husband asked. (sighs) I asked for a room with a view. There are trees blocking the window. She huffed. Well, we are in the middle of nowhere. I don't know what you're expecting to see, dear. Gail rolled her eyes, brushing off the topic. Joanne did say this place had a bar. Let's get out of the room and get a drink. Not with Shelby with us, and it's a bit early to drink. Joe noted. Whatever. I'll go have fun by myself then. Take Shelby to the pool or something. And with that, she left the room. Joe frowned and shook his head at his wife's behavior. He knew she needed a break from work, and a family vacation was the only way she was going to get it. Still, he didn't understand how Gail found this place. It's as if she looked up the world's most unvisited hotels. As a matter of fact, Joe didn't recall seeing anyone else in the lobby other than the employees, and it was the middle of the day. Where were the other guests? Well, kiddo, want to go for a swim? Joe asked Shelby and started opening her suitcase to get her swimsuit. I would like to explore the hotel, she said, and walked towards the door. Her dad followed. They might as well see what else was around in this old building. They descended in the elevator to the lobby. After exiting, Shelby immediately looked up at the bodies hanging from the ceiling. She tilted her head to the side and watched an arm twitch and then not move again. What are you looking at, Shells? She was silent for a moment and continued to stare at the same body. Its arm lifted again and pointed toward a hallway to her right. Once she didn't respond to her father, he told her to stay put and was going to find her mom. It was enough time for the eight-year-old to wander off. Shelby followed the direction the hand had pointed her in, and she began to smell chlorine. She pushed the door open that led to the pool. Inside, the water was black, and the walls were stained with algae. She watched the water and noticed things lurking beneath the surface. She walked over and squatted at the edge of the pool, her eyes trained on the water. Want to swim? 
a distorted voice said from behind her. She gasped and turned her head. A boy, probably her age or a bit younger, stood a few feet from her. His skin was pale and gray with decay, and half his face was missing. She could see part of his skull. What happened to you? Shelby asked curiously. I don't know. Where are your parents? The boy replied. Drinking? I'm supposed to be with my dad, but I decided to explore on my own. What a wonderful idea. He smiled. His teeth were black. Welcome to the swimming pool. Would you like to go for a swim? No, I'm not wearing my swimsuit. The boy stood silent. Why are you scared of me? Shelby crossed her arms, as if she were cold. Because I've seen you before, along with the bodies hanging from the ceiling of the lobby. What do you mean? You've seen me before. I'm not supposed to know, and I act like I don't, but my mommy, my mommy kills people for money. Those bodies and you are her most recent kills. There you are, Gail, Joe said, relieved to find his wife. I told you I'd be at the bar. She rolled her eyes and took another drink of her wine. Honey, we're here as a family, so let's do something as a family. Let me finish this drink and then we can all swim together. She took a sip of her still full wine glass. Sit down and have a drink, sir. The bartender spoke to Joe. I can't. I left my daughter in the lobby. I have to go get her. He spoke. Why'd you leave your daughter alone in a hotel lobby? The bartender asked while counting shipments. Joe raised a finger. Hey, don't you... He cut himself off, ignoring the bartender, and left to get Shelby. But once he got there, she was gone. The amazing disappearing act she loved to play so often. Shelby? Shelby? He called to his daughter. No answer. He scurried over to the front desk. Have you seen my daughter? Uh, No, sir. I'm sorry. Would you like me to check the cameras? Joanne asked. Yes, please. Joanne pulled up the video footage and searched for Shelby. But she knew she wouldn't find her. Marin had begun her job. And no one could interrupt her now. Gail drank slowly from her wine glass and watched the bartender work. This wine is amazing. What's in it? It's just a Merlot. Or are you talking about the metallic iron taste of blood? 
Excuse me? Gail looked at her glass and noticed the liquid was much thicker than she remembered. The irony taste hit her, and she smelled the wine. It smelled like blood. Gail spat out the wine and coughed. <coughs> what the hell did you serve me? The bartender made eye contact with her. Oh, the box says the blood of Brandon Rush, Molly Singleton, Candy Cook. Those are the people you murdered this week, are they not? And you're staying at this hotel to get away from the cops? The bartender looked at the bottle again, completely serious, with no accusation in his voice. Just a statement of fact. I'm going to be sick, Gail said, and stood up and ran to the lobby to find her husband. As she ran, the carpet felt wet. Her white heels had red stains on them and the iron smell grew stronger. She looked at her dress that was also stained with blood, along with her hands. Joe, Joe, we need to leave right now. Your husband is looking for your daughter, Joanne said flatly. What the hell kind of hotel is this? A hotel of truth. A hotel of secrets and lies and things you wish were not true. This hotel finds you and draws you in like a moth to a flame. You come. The hotel does its job, and then you leave. I would go find your family. The hotel is heading for them next. You're crazy. You know that? You and everyone that works here. The hotel never lies. Gail huffed and went to find her husband Joe? and daughter, Shelby. calling for them the whole way. Joe. She then made it to the pool and saw Joe sitting on a chair, watching Shelby swim. What's wrong, honey? Is everything okay? He asked. We need to leave now. What? What, what happened? Do you not see me? I'm covered in blood, Joe. Joe looked at her as she held her hands out. Are you okay? Do you need to sit down? No, I don't need to sit down. We need to get the hell out of here. A bartender just accused me of killing people and served me blood in a wine glass. Joe put his hand on his wife's forehead. She slapped it away. Are you listening to me? Honey, I, I hear you, but there is not a single red stain anywhere on you and... Your breath smells like wine. Gail's head began to spin, and she couldn't think straight. She looked at her daughter swimming, and above her, on the wall, written in blood, was, I know you did it. Gail lost her breath and vision. Her legs became jelly, and she fell to the floor, 
Joe's voice echoed in her ears as her world faded to darkness. Gail was eventually charged with murder and sentenced to life in prison. Shelby began talking again, knowing her mother wouldn't be there to pull her hair, making her swear not to tell a soul she killed those people. Joe divorced her and gained custody of his daughter. He didn't understand what happened in the hotel that month, but his life was never the same after that. Once you visit Hotel Marin, you will always leave knowing something new, something that was evident in your life, but you didn't want to admit. Everything at Hotel Marin can be seen as long as you take a look. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much again to Adelina Hill for this very unique story. I really liked it. I love stories about hotels. It's a great setting for horror stories. I get really scared in hotels sometimes. Oh, by the way, if you're new here, this last part of the show is where I ramble about life and baking and just things for a few minutes before you go to sleep. Or turn it off and finish your dishes or laundry or whatever else you're doing. Um, So yeah, Oh, you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just look for at Scare You to Sleep. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Shelby B. Scott if you'd like to follow me. <laughs> and there, I also have another show called Historic Hangouts. Yes, I'm going to keep plugging my other show. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. That's right. <laughs> um, what else do I need? Oh, if you like, if you liked what I did to Adelina's story and you have a story and you're like hey that would be kind of cool to have my story made into a cool bedtime story thing that that Shelby lady does you can send yours to scareyoutosleep at gmail.com and I'll make you a fun little keepsake like this or at least you'll be considered for one and also yes my submissions are still very behind but send it in anyway Um, sometimes I'll see one and like the title will grab my attention. So I admit sometimes I I pick from the, from the bottom of the pile, top of the pile, top of the pile. No, I don't know how I would say that expression when it comes to emails, (laughs) but I pick one of the newer ones because just the title kind of grabs me. Um, yeah, this is the first time I've had to say my own name this many times in a story. My name's not like super unique, but it's unique enough that I don't see it very often in stories. So that was kind of cool. And yeah, that's pretty neat. I was just telling a friend of mine, oh, and I also talked about it on the Zoning Out podcast, where you can hear an interview with me about how cool it is sometimes to get stories where people put me in the story. And yeah, I know I'm opening myself up for some real creepy stuff, but that's the name of the game (laughs) when you put yourself out there like this. Was there something else I was supposed to say? Those of you who are here every week, um remind me if I forgot something or 
let, let everyone else know. I'm really tired and really hungry, and I have some chicken thawing in my sink to make some Japanese uh, golden curry in a second. It's like 11 p.m., but I haven't eaten since breakfast, so, you know, can't go to bed hungry. At least I can. I hate going to bed hungry. It's the worst. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of brain dead, probably because I haven't eaten since breakfast, and I've been at my computer all day. <laughs> what else can I, can we say? Can we say? <laughs> I feel like there's something I usually, I feel like I'm usually, there's a, there's a cadence and there's things that I usually say that are so, they just kind of flow out of me and this week it's not, it's just not. What did I bake this week? Was it this week that I baked the cranberry orange, uh, loaf? I think so. If so, um, I had some that was like frozen and this morning I turned it into French toast and it was so good. The cranberries get all like gooey and like hot and that doesn't sound very appetizing I admit but it's very very good if you ever have some (laughs) cranberry orange loaf just laying around I'm telling you though if you have any sort of bread try to make it into french toast you'll find some amazing things like of course cinnamon swirl bread makes amazing french toast duh but then you'll find some gems like cranberry orange bread makes fantastic french toast so does banana bread. So does cinnamon rolls. Um, so do cinnamon rolls. So do cinnamon rolls. Yeah, that's probably more grammatically correct. Uh, yeah. So if you ever make like some, like I bet, I bet lemon loaf would be really good French toast. I don't think I'd add cinnamon to it, but I bet that'd be really good. So, you know, go out, live your life, make a loaf, make that loaf into French toast. That's my life advice for this week. Uh, Anyway, I already got my taxes done, which is cool. I usually wait till the last minute and my taxes are very complicated. Shout out to all my freelance buddies out there who um, have nightmare tax seasons because you don't have taxes taken out of your checks throughout the year. So you have to pay ahead of time or you forget to pay ahead of time like I have done in past years. And then you have a big old fat bill from the IRS. And they're like, and to my international listeners, uh, taxes in America are awful. They just make you guess at how much you owe. And if you don't get it right, you go to prison. And so that's a fun thing to have looming over us as, you know, inflation grows and the world is like it is. (laughs) Also, my international listeners, I don't ever mean to be like condescending or anything when I explain Americanisms. I just hate the idea of Americans thinking we're like, everyone knows about us and how we work because I feel like that's also a very American thing is like, assuming the rest of the world knows about all of our things and does things the way we do. So I'm not trying to condescend. I'm just trying to inform because I don't want to assume everyone knows what I'm talking about. Because I have people, shout out to India and Sweden and uh, the UK. And I'm trying to think of some of my top places that aren't here where I have listeners. Mexico. Mexico. Got a lot of listeners in Mexico. Canada. See you, Canada. You're up there being cool. Um, literally. 
I'm cold. I'm really cold. It was 60 degrees in my apartment today. And yeah, I'm from Southern California. I've since I talk about it all the time. And um, I'm a baby when it comes to cold. There was snow in Burbank this week. And again, I know that's not even just an Americanism. That is an LAism. So some of you are like, I don't know. Is that a bad thing? I don't know. It doesn't snow in Burbank. And where I live, I almost doxed myself, where I live, we also don't get snow. And there were reports that we might this weekend. So that's wild. You know, just a little climate change talk for you. This is a bummer ending. Ew, look at me. I'm all, I just need to eat. It's, it's my low blood sugar. I just got to go. I'm going to stop bringing the mood down and I'm going to go. Oh, by the way, I had an idea. I never do this. I usually run it just by like friends and family when I have an idea for a story, but I have an idea for a story. I'm not going to tell you what the story is yet, but I want to do a unique episode. I know some of you are not going to be on board and some of you are going to be like, no, don't. But for any of you out there who enjoy ASMR, I have an idea for a story that would incorporate the entire episode being like ASMR, like actual, like, I know I, I kind of say that this show is ASMR-ish, but it's really not true ASMR. And I think I'm going to do it. I might do it as a bonus episode. Back when I thought of, I had the idea for Guided Nightmares, I also, I mean, there's still bonus episodes, but back then I, I realized that my ideas are strange to some people and not, they're very off-putting to a certain portion of my audience. So don't worry, if I ever have something super weird, I'll probably release it as a bonus episode so you won't have to have only that to listen to that week or I might not if I run out of time we'll see but it'll probably be a bonus episode yeah I just got some some ideas floating around in my brain I have a few stories which is good because after Erica that episode came out which was I thank you so much by the way a lot of people really loved that story and I'm, I really appreciate it uh, after that came out I had kind of gone through all my like more thought out story ideas like of course I have little bits and pieces that live in my phone and in my brain but this that was the last one that I had like fully formed and was a like meaning to write and I was kind of scared because it was the first time in like years I'd like dried up the well <laughs> but now they're coming back to me they're coming back and I have quite a few ideas there's one that I almost released a couple weeks ago but it was so similar to uh, not similar all the way but just in theme sort of to some stories that had come out recently and I didn't want to overload you all with the kind of the same subgenre of horror <laughs> yeah and next week by the way this is getting pretty long um next week is going to be a really intense story and I'm going to put a bunch of trigger warnings on it. It's just, it was written by a friend of mine and he has had some crazy life experiences. It is not a true story. It's just come about because of some true experiences he had in a certain industry. And it's, I'm, I'm very excited for it. Next week though, it's going to be intense. It's going to be gory. It's going to be uh, I know I've stolen this from last podcast on the left, but it's going to be a gold star episode just 
letting you all know. I'm also working on a guided nightmare right now that is almost done. And I'm just being really nitpicky about it. Sometimes I go too intense with the research. Guided nightmares are not something I should spend so much time researching. Um, I will give you a hint to the next guided nightmare. I've been researching 18th century ships. That's right. Okay, everyone, I'm going to go. I'm looking at the time right now on the... the <laughs> wow, my brain is dead. I need to put proteins in my brain. Um, the, the time on the recorder thingy <laughs> is long. <laughs> okay, I love you. Um, drink your water, because I didn't drink enough today, and that's apparent. Go get some sleep. Sweet dreams.